Are you burdened by all that is going on in your life right now? Do you sometimes feel like throwing in the towel when it comes to serving others? Well, my friends, that happens to all of us. And on today's podcast, we're going to be diving into Galatians chapter 6 to see what Paul has to say about how you and I can grow in our faith without growing weary. So turn to Galatians chapter 6 and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Hey there, my friends. I pray that you are blessed, that you are standing strong in your faith as you continue to stand strong in God's Word. This is Podcast 182, and we'll continue to examine the teachings of Paul in Galatians chapter 6. Now, the overall theme that we've been discussing is about how we are to take on the burdens or bear the load of people in our lives. And if you missed the previous podcast, you can always go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast. My notes are available or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate the support, the listenership, the prayers that you guys continue to send our way. And if you've never done that and, you, and you're intimidated by that or you don't think we care, that is not true at all. I love hearing from all my brothers and sisters out there. So please send us a message at info at standstrongministries.org and do us a favor, leave us a review wherever you get this podcast. We also have Challenging Conversations podcast that is available now that we are doing on the Edify podcast network where I invite guests and colleagues and help you guys with a biblical worldview, engage the culture for Christ. So let's go back now into verses one and five for a minute to kind of give us a recap as we dive now into uh, what Paul has to say in verse six and following. And I think we'll just probably end at verse 10 today and then pick things up in the, in the next podcast. But what we saw in the opening of this chapter were two key things when it comes to bear, bearing one another's burdens. Number one, in verses one and two, that we are supposed to come in a spirit of gentleness. So if somebody was caught in a particular sin, remember overtaken, they were off guard. So this is right in the moment, the implications here is right in the moment where somebody started to fall into a sin. They start committing a sin. And it's it's not necessarily a pattern where it's taken over their life. Perhaps maybe they slipped up. They thought it wasn't a big deal or um, maybe it was somebody in their life who's a bad influence. But never, nevertheless, it's a lapsing or a falling aside. So in this case in their life, they're not walking in the Spirit, but you who are walking in the Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're to come alongside that person and you're to help restore them. And that was such an interest, interesting word because restore carried the idea of a dislocated limb. So what Paul was saying is just like a doctor uh, takes that bone and puts it back into place, uh, we are to do the same in people's lives. Or it also carried the idea of mending nets, fish nets, that is. And so we're in the business of taking people who have been dislocated or the tearing up or broken pieces, right, and, and mending them or putting them back together. That's the business that we're in. And I love what Charles Stanley said in describing this individual. He says, we must watch the spirit in which we confront the fallen one. 
We must be firm, but gentle. We are to confront them in a spirit of gentleness. Hurting people can be as fragile as glass. They don't need our condemnation. We don't go to them in anger or to vent our hurt. We go gently, remaining sensitive to their agony. We should not automatically interpret their inability to express grief as a lack of remorse or repentance. So it's so important that people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are grounded in God's word, like you guys listen to this podcast and we're growing in God's word together, that you respond in a mature, caring way. And, and that sounds so simple. Like, of course, yeah, we know that. We want people to come to us um, out of respect or uh, come to us with a, with a gentle heart, right? We don't want people assuming for us. We don't want people yelling at us. We don't want people belittling us or, uh, you, know, you know, making uh, caricatures about us and, and making fun of us. We want people to come to us because they love us and they're here to help us. They want to take the heavy loads that are sometimes on our lives that are weighing us down and, and help lift them up. You know, just recently, a friend of mine had a job to do and he had to lift a large beam and a friend came to assist him. Now, without his friend's help, he wouldn't be able to do that. But with his friend's help, they were able to do it together. And that's the same thing that Paul's saying here in verses one through five. But also when he was talking about how we are to come in a spirit of gentleness, he also talked about the spirit of pride in verses three through five. And it's so important, my friends, because we can oftentimes think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And Paul says, don't deceive yourself and thinking that you're something, that you're some big shot. And I got to confess through the years as a pastor, been doing this for almost 25 years. And I look back, I was just talking to a pastor friend of mine over lunch recently. And I was telling him of, of the, the, the major mistakes, the blunders, right? Um, and of course we laugh about it today. Uh, not that we're, you know, taking lightly the situation sometimes that we're placed in as pastors when we're to care for people's souls, but you kind of think, man, what was I thinking by the grace of God? I'm still standing today. And, you know, that's what's so, you know, vitally important of us having these discussions, my friends, is when we actually look around and say, okay, Lord, who are the people you place in my life? What are their problems? And how could I meet those needs? See, that was one of the things that I did not consider in my younger years in the Christian faith, or even in my younger years as a pastor in ministry. I saw a problem and it was my job to fix it. And a lot of times I should have evaluated it or had the, the wherewithal or, or realized I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the experience. And so I would try to take on things and try to fix them. Instead of helping the problem, I would cause more problems. And there are times where it got depressing or challenging or, or quite frankly, ugly. And so when I look at this passage here in verses three through five of Galatians six, and it says, let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. When I look at that admonition, and I encourage all of us as we jump into the next portion of scripture here in a minute, that we are to make sure that we look out for our own intentions. Like we're carefully examining that we're not coming with some type of pride or impurity of mind or insidious comparisons, 
but that we are genuinely coming to care for people and not make it about ourselves. Just because certain people that God has placed in our lives are struggling with a particular sin or they've slipped up or they got caught up in a mess and it was unexpected and we maybe, let's say, have never experienced that or we're doing pretty good. But that doesn't give us a right to condemn the person, to make them feel less of a human being or less of a Christian. You're better than them. You're more superior. Of course not. We are to make sure that as we live our lives, we're not boasting in the flesh because the Bible says clearly there that no man should uh, will glorify God in the flesh. And he said that uh, in, to the Corinthian church, Paul says, that we are not to boast in what we do. We are to boast in the Lord. And so make sure that as you bear each other's loads, uh, we have to also, one of the other things we saw, that we have to make sure that we are in check. You can't help others if you yourself are neglecting to take care of yourself. Now, that's not saying you put the needs of yourself above others. That's making sure that you're living a wise, uh, flourishing life, right? I mean, you wouldn't be investing your money with a financial advisor who's bankrupt or has uh, a gambling problem or has, you know, has been um, arrested on counts of fraud or money laundering. And, and, and how important do you think it is more so right to, to walk into a room or to text or call someone with your problems and saying, Hey, advise me, help me. I I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm burdened. I can't do this without your assistance. You wouldn't be going to people, nor would you. I mean, think about it. None of us would go to anyone who we think is more messed up than us, right? And, and that's the gist of what Paul's getting at. You know, we are to be in the business of bearing the loads of one another, but we have to make sure that we are self-reliant, that we can manage our own obligations in life. And so I pray, you guys, as we're now jumping into this passage about sowing to the spirit, this is critical because again, this is feeding off of Galatians five, that we are to walk in the spirit, that we're not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians five sixteen. We saw the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five twenty five, which is love. And the byproduct of that is the fruits of uh, the fruit of love is joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, generous, self-control. And so as we're living that out, we will be less wearisome. We will be less stressed. We will not be filled with um, anxiety or when we have those moments where we're overwhelmed with the burdens of people around us that instead of looking to ourselves as an overcomer or looking within ourselves to, you know, address or to deal or to treat these problems, we look to Christ even when the chips are down, even, even when we are overwhelmed. And I know a lot of you listening, you're overwhelmed. You're discouraged. I received a voice message from a friend I hadn't heard from in a long time and just give me a little update. And as I listened, I could tell in his voice that he really wanted to talk. And I could tell the way he was expressing some things um, that there was something going on. And 
you know, I was able to not, not right away, but I think I was traveling at the time, something was going on. And, but when I finally reached out, he just was so thankful to hear from a friend and to pray with him and to console him when he, and, and sure enough, he was going through something and he was growing weary and it wasn't like he was all, you know, in his sin and he was confessing. He just was overwhelmed. And, you know, there's times, my friends, when it's not like you need to go see a therapist or something, but and you can go work out and, you know, hopefully go to bed and, and get a good night's rest. But there's something to be said that you can just be in the presence with friends and just hang out. And, and it's like the pressures of life and what you're dealing with kind of just subsides. It goes away. It's not just about being entertained by that individual. It's being in their presence and being encouraged because they love you and you can rest in that. And so now as we look at this next passage, let's see how sowing to the spirit is so critical to living a life of joy and not growing weary. Notice here in verse six, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And then verse seven says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So I think we're just going to stop here today because I want us to focus in on verses six through eight. And what we'll do, we'll pick things up where the next section is on not losing heart. And of course, obviously this is Paul kind of his culmination here. He's ending the letter to encourage him how to live as he's demonstrated to them. And so what I want to do is let's just focus in on this terminology that, that Paul uses or this illustration of agriculture and to take his meaning and see how we can apply that in our lives today. Now, I will say this from what we saw in the previous podcasts to what we'll see in the next few podcasts. In verses 1 through 10 of chapter 6, Paul is ending his letter here and he's encouraging the Galatians. And it's this concept of walking in step with the Spirit. So like I said today, we're going to see what it means to sow to the Spirit, okay? Now, one way he says here that we just read to do that is to support and care for those who are in the family of God. Now, that's not saying your immediate family, all right? That's not just saying your loved ones in your family that either are, you know, biological or adopted or blended, this is the family of God. So this is not just the local church, but this is the universal church. This is talking about being a support, not a being a listening ear, though that's part of it. But Paul here is expressing how Christians are to support their teachers to live moral lives in verse 8. And to also we'll see in verse 10 next week to build community. Now, this is interesting because when Paul jumps in here and says, hey, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So notice we have a teacher and a student, right? Someone who listens to the teacher. And so Paul's saying here, hey, the, the, you have to support the one who taught the word to you. Now, in the Mishnah, which was Jewish writings, it does, it does, it, 
it, it doesn't ever encourage or make it mandatory for people in those days who were interpreters of the scriptures to receive payment. Okay. Um, but there is no permitting of payment to those who teach the scriptures in, in other writings. So in essence, at the time when you would learn from these people, the mission was saying you're not supporting them financially. Now I'm not saying that there were teachers, there weren't teachers in, in those days who didn't get paid for certain things, but it is on a spiritual level. So that was just not a practice that they were committed to. So when Jews were becoming, we refer to them today as Messianic Jews, but when they were coming to Christ, things were changing. Now remember, this is Paul's first letter, you know, so he's just establishing churches and he's and he's trying to bring structure to them with elders he's trying to uh, advise and counsel them you know with with uh you will see with thessalonica in his next letter you know he was there for for an average of about almost three months he refers to as two uh, or excuse me three sabbaths in Acts 17 and then he moved on and then he writes a letter from corinth uh to them and and they were in macedonia and achaia and you know, he had Timothy and Silas who were communicating this according to First Thessalonians chapter 3 in Acts 17 towards the end, uh, the reports of how they're, they were growing in their faith. So Paul indeed was, was there present with many of the people when they were establishing the church, when people were coming to saving faith. But he wasn't their primary full-time pastor. So he needed to raise up or enc encourage people to be involved in raising up and discipling leaders. And as that was unfolding, as that started to happen and take place, and, you know, again, more uh, home churches, it required the need to start supporting these spiritual leaders to be invested in more full-time ministry, to aid the people that were coming to the church, to, to learn the creeds and learn certain early uh, Christian traditions and confessions. And then, of course, as Paul's letters were circulating to take those things and as the Gospels were coming out and as they were searching the scriptures, the Old Testament, that is, that, that people were able to teach them. And so here Paul's opposing this rabbinic mindset and he's encouraging Christians, hey, I want you guys to really, you want to sow to the spirit. I want you guys to, you know, make sure that you're financially investing in people who are teaching you the word of God, who are helping you grow in your faith. I mean, as I was studying this, and I'm even thinking now, you know, my wife and I, of course, it starts with taking care of our family. Um, but what this is referring to is who are the spiritual leaders in my life? Well, my pastors, the people that I attend church with that are overseers of my soul and my wife's and my four kids. And so we are to be investing financially tithing uh, to our local church. That's the, that's the beginning point. And then with that, you know, as God blesses us, we take what God has given us and be good stewards of it to where we support Bible translators around the world. So we go from the local church investment to the global investment of the church to help other Bible teachers that are doing God's work. Evangelists, there's other apologists, Christian writers that we support. There, there are evangelists that are running ministries. I know many of you guys listening to this podcast, you, you give to support Stand Strong Ministries and by the way, if you have never done that, we, you know, we, we're in need of your financial support. We can't put out content and travel and write Christian content, biblical worldview content, equipping Christians without the financial support 
that we receive from listeners, faithful listeners, such as yourself. If you think about your local church, if people stopped giving to the local church, what would happen? Would you have the facilities? Would you be able to hire the people that are there to do the full-time ministry work that God has called them to do? Of course not. And so this was something that Paul was applying to them. And that's why he says, share all good things. The word share here is the Greek word is koinonia, where it has the, the concept here that we get from fellowship. So this is a cool because when you're investing in people who teach the word among you, you are to share in all good things with them, meaning you are to fellowship with them. So this is not just restricting in the sense of it just being financial support. It carries the idea of being a person who gives generously in your spiritual life, you know, morally, and also with monetary things. And so the body of believers who care for each other are to be there for one another and to supply need. Like if there's a need, I'll never forget when I had COVID, I had several uh, people reach out and say, hey, let us know if there's any medical bills, any expenses that that you have. We want to take care of it. We don't want anything to be a burden uh, to you. What a blessing. That's what Paul is referencing here. Or when you hear from a missionary and they need your support and you write them a check, you're not boasting, you're not showing off, you're saying, let's support this work. And so together, collectively, we're in this together. I may not be doing the translation. I may not be doing the printing of the books. I may not be uh, the one who is, you know, literally planting the church or the pastor who will take over in that church. But with my prayers, my financial support, I'm part of the work that God is doing through those individuals, through that team. Now, the NRSV Cultural Background Study Bible said that teachers in early Christian communities, unlike many ancient moral teachers, did not normally charge fees or depend on patrons. So again, that that was the deal. That was the custom. It says here that the, the model was probably not economically viable for most house congregations, so teachers did not depend on their congregations for their support. Nevertheless... Believers should be generous toward them. Some find here also a hint of Paul's collection for Jerusalem, and we do see that. By the way, when you look at 1 Corinthians 16, you look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10, as we're reading here in Galatians 6, that there is this principle that we are to support the work of God financially. You know, Paul told the Romans, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them, for if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. Okay? So one of the things that we have to look at, and this will prevent us from growing weary, by the way, is when you are giving generously, when the Holy Spirit prompts you and you obey that prompting, and you're not being selfish, you're not going to grow weary while doing the good. And I think what happens with a lot of us is we become discontent or we, we start taking in more and more and it's never enough. We always want more. We think we, we need, I need more money. I need more of my savings. I, I need this beach house. I need this. I need that or whatever. And when you become greedy like that and you become a hoarder, uh, you will not be as joyful. Giving is a blessing. It, and you hear that saying, right? It's better to give than to receive. And that's what Paul's conveying here. He also said in 1 Timothy 5, 17, he'll say this later as he continues to feed this teaching into the life of the church. He says, let the leaders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. 
And that's so true, my friends. And of course, being on the receiving end, especially when I left the local church and started my own ministry, Stand Strong Ministries, um, you know, because sometimes you get lost in the church, you know, you don't know exactly who's giving. And now through the past decade, it's we, my wife and I have experienced such great joy to know that uh, people who come into our home and they'll pray for us and they'll leave us a check and they'll give a donation or the, the monthly supporters, you know, who write checks or they, they do online giving. You, we know them and it's tangible. It's right there in sending them cards or, you know, talking with them on the phone or uh, sending them a text or whatever. It's a beautiful thing. And, and just like when I, just like I saw my doctor friend the other day, you know, he's providing a service, a well-needed service, right? Or I need a plumber. My brother's a general contractor and there's, there's work he's done in my house and he's a licensed uh, inspector as well. And, you know, the, 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 that is a, 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 a needed uh, profession. And, you know, and there's a time for all of these people that you need, you need to go to for an, an attorney, a, a teacher, professor, etc. And, and, and we have to see the pastors, the teachers of God's word, uh, that they are worthy of that as well. You know, they are providing a much needed service for people. You know, this word teacher here is the Greek word katekeo. It means to instruct, to report, to teach. So based on this title where we get the word catechism or catechist from, which basically just means instructor, this description that Paul gives about this teacher that we are to support in our lives is an indication that God was raising up, whether it be through Paul's ministry or as it was expanding through other people, um, that the early church in Galatia, they were receiving formal training from instructors. And it was those people that Paul says, hey, we need to support those people. Don't no, don't neglect supporting those people. And again, it just doesn't mean financial support. And so if there are ways, my friend, right now that you can consider the spiritual teachers that are in your life, say to your spouse, if you're married, what more can we do? Let's look at our budget. You know, maybe there are some missionaries around the world that we could be supporting. You know, one thing my wife and I did years ago was we said, we want to support the persecuted church. We wanted to support Bible translation. We want to support ministries that are investing in the next generation. We also felt it was necessary to support ministries that are investing in couples, helping moms and dads. And so those are things that we started to focus in on beyond just giving to the local church. And so I encourage you to to examine that as well. And then notice as we're concluding here that Paul builds off this advice in with benevolence into an immutable principle from God. And this is so important. And at first when I read, I was thinking, why did Paul say, do not be deceived after he just talked about giving to spiritual leaders, teachers in your life. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And, and it just didn't seem to make sense. But then when you see the context, he's building off of benevolence with an immutable principle. See, people may fool themselves into believing that God's laws don't apply to them, but they do. So that's what he means by God is not mocked. People could say, oh, I don't need to give. I don't need to support them. You know, what difference does it make? It makes a huge difference. You know, we have the whole Scrooged, you know, you know, mentality with people because of the story that we know from Charles Dickens. 
you know, the greedy kind of people. We know those people. And we sometimes make fun of those people or don't want to be friends with those kind of people or they're difficult people. But we have to look within our own hearts and say, are we thinking that we are going around trying to fool God? Of course not. We, we can't. We may think we are. But God is not mocked because anyone who sows to the flesh will reap a harvest of devastation. So if you're greedy and you're just sowing to the flesh and you think that with all the house houses you have, with all the materialism that you have, with the, the prestige that you have, the position, the title that you have, the rank and file that you have, whatever the case may be, and you think that the more you feed into that, the better your life's going to be. No, God is not mocked. It will not end the way that you think it, it will. It's unavoidable. The consequences of sin uh, can never be altered. You can't take something. And so if God says the effects of sin is ruin, right? And you're trying to say, no, I can feed to the flesh. Like I can go sleep with whoever I want to. And I don't believe in STDs or I don't believe that infidelity is wrong. You can say that all you want. You can say that I don't need to give to the local church, but the Bible clearly says that we need to support the local church. In, in, in a financial sense. And of course, in others, we need to support the, the church in other ways too. But you can't neglect that responsibility and think that it's not going to have any effect in your life. It will. So Paul presents, again, this common proverb of uh, this agricultural principle, if you will, of sowing and reaping because he's underscoring the power of making right decisions. And so I think what happens a lot of times, and I'm saying this in my own life, my friends, that you can make wrong decisions because you're in this wearied state. You're broken down. You have become overwhelmed by the burdens in your life. And oftentimes you find out very quickly because we've taken on too much or we're feeding into too much or we're looking to buy too much and we're consumed with more of the world than we are being consumed in the presence of Christ. And so whatever we sow, we will reap. So if you're seeing your life is just filled with devastation, if there's just major consequences that are not good in your life, it's because you've been sowing to the flesh. And so therefore the outcome, what you're going to reap is destruction. Now on the flip side, though, as we see here in verse eight, if you sow to the spirit, you will reap eternal life. Now, Paul's warning the Galatians that their profession of faith must line up to their actions. So the, the same is true for us today. Right? If we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption, just like they did back then. If we sow to the flesh, it, it's going to be uh, not a good thing. And th in, in this sense, there's this description of corruption is about rotting or decaying food. So that's the picture that Paul wanted the Galatians to have. Now, you think that you're going to live an abundant life because of all the success and materialism that you're looking to achieve. And yet, what you're really ultimately possessing is rottenness. Right? Eternal life here is the expression, not of salvation, but with abundance. It's living a prosperous life, not prosperity doctrine, but abundance of life on earth. Feeding on the flesh, again, leads to an impoverished spiritual life. But those who live by the Spirit will receive peace. And yes, you will reap eternal rewards in heaven. So if you and I invest in spiritual things in this world... Uh, we will be reaping eternal rewards in heaven. And verses 19 through 23, remember if you go back to Galatians 5, Paul gave a contrast between the flesh. And remember the flesh is evident. You talk about sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, dissensions, divisions, drunkenness, all these things. 
But when you invest in the spirit, what do you get in return? More love, more joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I encourage you guys, if you are growing weary, if you're discouraged, are you sowing to the flesh? Are you sowing to the spirit? And so one thing that we really looked at today is how are you giving financially? How are you supporting the spiritual leaders that God has placed in your life to help you mature in your faith? We have to be supporting these people. And so if you haven't done that, I pray that after listening to this podcast and studying Galatians 6 with me, that you'll start doing that. If you are giving uh, and you know you can give more, ask the Lord to forgive you for you know, being ignorant or uh, just maybe not paying close attention. I recently had to go to my family and ask for forgiveness. Of course, they weren't thinking of such a big deal, but, you know, our two older ones, they were so used to just things, you know, expenses are coming out of their account that my wife and I make sure that we manage for them with their expenses. But one of the things that we recently, we just, you know, lost track of is that every paycheck that they had come in, that they were taking a portion of that and giving to the local church and to maybe other ministries that they want to support. And of course they had no um, quarrel over that. They assumed that since we had talked about in the past and they were doing that at one point that they were still doing that. But one of the things that I felt bad about was that I wasn't keeping them accountable there. And it wasn't something that I was regularly talking about in my own life to maybe kind of encourage deeper conversation for them to start examining their own life. So we have to make sure that as we talk about expenses, that we're talking about investment in God's kingdom and let the people know that you support financially so they can continue to teach the Bible. Let them know that you love them and that you got their back. And if there's other things that they need, maybe that they are have been praying about and you can be a vessel, you can be someone to help them that you would, that you would. And I'm telling you, my friends, you will see God bless you mightily in return. So I love you guys. I pray that this has encouraged you, that you will not grow weary while doing good. Sow to the spirit and you will see that you will reap eternal life. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.